Hi, and welcome to the Movement Diaries, a no-holds-barred podcast where we'll unpack all things exercise and movement within the world of the no-pain, no-gain fitness culture. Hosted by me, movement coach Jordana Edelstein, we'll dive into why exercise has notoriously become all about self-punishment, fixing what's wrong with how your body looks, and burning off last night's pizza rather than simply feeling good and strong in your own skin. Let's have some honest, candid conversations about how to shift the all-or-nothing mindset around fitness and reclaim movement and exercise as a way to feel capable, confident, and empowered in your own body and mind. Ready to break the rules of exercise with me? Let's get started. Hey everyone, it's episode 50 of the Movement Diaries. I'm sitting up in my office in the attic and it's kind of awesome. I'm actually sitting in Ben's old beanbag on the floor and uh, there's a lawnmower outside. I'm hoping you can't hear too much of it, but that is life. So it's episode 50 and I'm not even, that's like not even kind of a big deal to me. I'm going to talk on episode 52 because that's the one year mark because I've done one episode a week for one year, which is, um, to be honest, a really amazing accomplishment that I am really proud of. And so there's kind of a lot of things I want to talk about on that episode. So two weeks from now, that's what's coming. Today, here's what I want to talk about. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and that is the idea that food is very personal. The way that you will lose weight is very personal. The way that you need to choose foods, the way that foods will make you feel, foods that will work for you, foods that won't work for you is very, very personal. And yes, of course, there are certain scientific rules and guidelines that in order to um, move towards goals, especially fat loss, that have to be in place. But within that, the way that you get there can vary greatly. And I think, you know, we spend so much time talking about how like individuality and uniqueness and how we're all different and, you know, you line up 20 people and every one of us not only has a different face, but different body types and we carry weight in different places and we carry, you know, everything about us is just different. And yet when it comes to food and to weight loss, we're always trying to do a one size fits all approach. Same thing is true with exercise. And it just doesn't like, it just logically just doesn't make sense like when you actually think about it. And when I look at all of my clients right now, they are all such different people and everyone has overlaps, but such different people in terms of their needs and their preferences and what's happening in their lives. And yes, everyone has stress. And some people have kids and some people don't have kids. And I'm working with people across a huge age range, uh, varying like 30 years. And so there's certain commonalities, but there's also a lot of differences. And I think what we need to start to embrace and talk about more and normalize is that food is very personal, right? I know I already said that. So here's what I mean. So we know that protein is super important. Okay, that's one of these scientific proven guidelines. We know protein matters. But from what sources? How does your body respond to protein from like a protein powder versus dairy versus meat versus a plant-based protein? How does you how does that show up in terms of your energy level? 
Do you notice that one type of protein or food is more filling or more satiating than others? Do you enjoy more one type of protein than the other? You might love chicken thighs and another person might hate chicken thighs. And I know that sounds like, well, duh, like I know that, but it's really not because when we actually start doing these things, we just go so blindly into it and we just follow rules and you do, you do a diet and the diet says, you have to eat chicken breast every day. And you're like, well, what if I don't like chicken breast? And you do it anyway. You know you've done it. You know you're nodding your head right now. Like, be honest with yourself. Because a diet said, I remember when I did isogenics, and I, I really have no idea where this came from, and I never questioned it. The only fruit you were allowed to eat were green apples. I think because they said it was like the lowest sugar fruit, which is actually not true. And I didn't question it. I didn't really like green apples, but I did it anyway because that's what it said to do. No wonder that was just one of a thousand different reasons that things like that don't work. Um, but then think about this. So I eat I eat like a decent amount of fruit in the mornings, whether it's on a yogurt bowl or cottage cheese or in a smoothie, and it works fine for me. But I know I have some of my clients who have a breakfast that's a little on the sweeter side that triggers more cravings for them later on in the day. It doesn't mean that those foods are bad. It just means it doesn't work for them. It's highly, highly personal. For me, it's fine. It doesn't cause that for me. But through some trial and error, we figured out that it's creating more cravings. And so we have focused breakfast on more savory things versus, you know, kind of sweet things. Um, you know, how just like a certain food, how filling is it for you? You know, like if I have, let's say, you know, a protein, like a piece of meat and a bunch of vegetables and a potato, like, is that meeting, is that filling enough? How much of one thing do you need to eat to feel full? And again, obviously, if you're trying to lose fat, you're going to have some guidelines in place around portion size, but there's always flexibility. Maybe you need a little bit more carb and a little bit less veggie. Maybe you need a whole bunch more veggie and a little less carb. Maybe you need more protein and a little less or more. Like, there's so many ways to play around with these things because our bodies are all different, right? We have so much of this is, is about genetics. And then it's about the history, about what you have done over the course of your life that has shaped who you are, both emotionally and mentally, mentally and physically. There's this great expression. I don't remember who said it, but um, it is that your uh, biography becomes your biology, so what you have done over the course of your life influences physically, biologically, cellularly who you are. And that includes food and movement for sure. Those are maybe two of the biggest kind of factors in that. Um, and everyone is just so different. And I, and I just wish that people would stop making it seem like food is this one size fits all thing. Um, you have to pay attention. And, you know, the kind of the, the technical term for this is biofeedback, right? You eat something, you, what, you do something, you exercise. How does your body respond to that? And so sometimes you'll hear me say, like, how does it make you feel? And I know sometimes that can sound really generic. Well, like, Jordana, what do you mean? How does it make me feel? Does it make me feel happy? Does it make me feel sad? Like, what the F do you mean? I get it. So let's get specific about that. What I mean is, how does this thing, this type of food, this meal, or this exercise influence your hung your overall hunger levels. Like when I went through phases of riding the Peloton like pretty intensely, my hunger went through the roof. 
And I was trying to use the Peloton to lose weight, but then here it is spiking my hunger and I'm eating more. And the whole thing just didn't make sense to me. So I'm like, well, I'm eating more. So I just need to ride more. But then the riding more kept driving up my hunger and then I need to eat more. And it just kept being this vicious cycle. Where in reality, the fact that I was doing such intense exercise that it was driving up my hunger that much was an indicator that that was too much exercise, too much intense exercise. And I actually needed to dial back. But I was so connected to this bike being like, you know, one of my million weight loss hacks that I wasn't willing to see that. I needed to exercise and move for sure, but I need to do it less intensely, like walking, right? Walking is phenomenal for so many reasons. One, because it's not going to be intense enough to really drive up your appetite the way more intense cardiovascular exercise can sometimes do when done with the frequency and intensity that a lot of people do it as a weight loss tool. And then it becomes a whole thing. That was a bit of a sidebar. But how does exercise, how do foods impact your overall hunger levels? How do they impact your cravings, right? Your need, that urge, that urgency, that emotional need or pull towards certain foods, usually less nutritious foods. I'm going to talk about hunger and cravings in a separate episode. And how is it affecting your overall energy level? Like do you, how you awake? Do you have energy to move through your day? Do you feel focused? Do you feel alert? Can you feel productive in whatever it is that you need to get done in your day? Um, these are the three things, hunger, energy, cravings that you need to be paying attention to and noticing how, what foods and what movement influences those factors. Um, and you might be thinking, that feels like a lot of work. How am I going to do that? How am I going to know what's what? Those are great questions. This is why we make small changes, one or two small changes at a time, so we can get a clear understanding of what's what. This is why when you go on an overhaul diet and you change 64 million things at once, you like you don't know. You don't know what's making you feel good, what's making you feel shitty, what might be working, what's not working. You have no clue. Not to mention that that also, it also makes the whole thing unsustainable. There's so many reasons why that approach just doesn't work. Here's another one of them that we haven't really talked about yet. So I just want you to start thinking about and acknowledging that food is personal, right? You can even think about this like from genetics. There are people, right, who can eat whatever they want from a caloric perspective. These are the people that we all think we're jealous of, right? They can eat as much candy and as much cake and desserts and burgers and fries and all like the less nutritious things. They can eat as much as they want and they never gain weight. And we think we're all jealous of them. There, Then there are people like me who, if I eat like, above and beyond like my, my maintenance calorie level, uh, I will gain weight like I'm snapping my fingers. It's so fast, I don't even realize it's happening. That's just how my body responds. There is nothing I can do about that, right? Our bodies, certain aspects of our bodies are what they are because of genetics. Yes, there are things we can do to bring out certain features and to kind of put other things to sleep, so to speak. But we also have to acknowledge the fact that like we are born and programmed with a certain code and that there's that's a big part in who we are. And again, Nobody likes to talk about that. Um, you know, so it's very, things are just, it's very, very personal. And we need to start acknowledging that and talking about it more and more so that people feel more comfortable to 
say, this doesn't work for me. Maybe it worked for my best friend. Maybe it worked for my mom, but it doesn't work for me. And that's okay. I think when that happens, people are like, this isn't working for me. And they feel ashamed. They feel like they did something wrong. And then they just push harder onto that same thing. When in reality, we actually need to try something different. And it's totally normal if that thing didn't work for you. So that is what I have to say about that for today. There's going to be a lot more about this coming in the future. Um, because this is super important. And, and to be honest, I think this is like one of the key, like the crux to so much of this work is acknowledging this and accepting it and embracing it and using it to your advantage, right? This is not a bad thing. This is a good thing that it's so personal. It might seem hard at first because you have to do work to figure out what it is that works for you. But then it's like, oh, I get to do this in a way that works for me. I don't just have to follow someone else's rules and suffer through something that sucks. So it's a perspective shift there. Um, and that's all for today. Thanks for listening and more soon. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Movement Diaries. If you love this episode or are enjoying this podcast, I'd be so grateful if you left a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want more information or want to learn more about me or anything I offer, you can check me out on Instagram. My handle is just my first name and my last name, Jordana Adelstein. Website is the same thing. I have lots of free classes and tutorials and I'm always sharing. I'm on Instagram pretty much every day sharing what's going on in my life and how to make movement and exercise a more joyful part of your routine. Again, thanks so much for listening. Have a great day.